Good evening. You're listening to the Navajo Health Command Operations Center's COVID-19 Prevention and Awareness Radio Program. Brought to you by the Navajo Department of Health. For more information, call 928-871-7014. Again, that's 928-871-7014. Here's Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez. Jonathan Nez. Uh, Navajo Nation President Ado Donenshin Baisanas <laughs> Hastra <laughs> Yet <laughs> that <laughs> A jogo Belagana dich on da kregi, e aja deep tribal parks that egi eilse a tatel kado le. Chu yego, kon dinas negi, 
la in August September Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I just gave an update in, in the Navajo language. And, uh, you know, the first positive COVID-19 test and the first case 
here on the Navajo Nation was last year, March 17th. We're almost a year now uh, of the first case and, and the first death. We will remember uh, the lives lost to COVID-19. And we pray for those recovering from the virus. Uh, we must heal, you know, we must heal as a nation and continue to fight this monster and to listen to our healthcare professionals. We have learned a lot, ladies and gentlemen, over a whole year now from our scientific community and our healthcare professionals. Of course, getting the information from the CDC, wearing your mask, social distancing, washing your hands with soap and water, and using hand sanitizer and staying at home as much as you can. And I want to say thank you to the Navajo people for the hard work that you've done honoring and respecting your healthcare professionals and your leaders. That's how we are getting through this. With all the information that we're receiving on a daily basis, we give it to you. We give it to you and we share it with you every week. COVID-19 updates. I know some of you probably say it's the same thing over and over, and we keep saying it because that's the critical practices that will get us through. Wearing a mask, social distance, washing your hands, staying at home. There's nothing more to that. That's the four things, you know, in Navajo, four. The four things that will push back COVID-19 here on the Navajo Nation. The first town hall was March 31st of 2020, almost one year, and we have tonight. We want to. Uh, we have a big announcement. Uh, we're in the red status for for some time, for many months now, and we're going to go into the orange status now. What does that mean? Please listen up, because we have Dr. Jill Jim. We also have our Assistant Attorney General Kimberly Dutcher. You know, we're all united in praying to push back on this virus, and we're going to transition. We can only do so much. Now the responsibility and what we're talking about is personal responsibility. It's on each and every one of us now. We're responsible for doing the protocols as we go to businesses are going to be reopened. And a phase, baby steps, and a phased approach uh, to reopening here. We want to remind everybody not to let down. It will take each and every one of us to keep the numbers down. That's our responsibility. We must continue to follow these preventive measures, these effective preventive measures that got us to these low numbers now. 29,900 people have come down with the virus. 16,212 have been have recovered. 1,205 of our loved ones have lost their lives to COVID-19. Our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to our families that have lost loved ones. And, and the reason why we're transitioning from the red status to orange status is we have seen some very low numbers, but we continue to pray for our Navajo people that this continues to keep keep going down. We went through two phases this country went through three phases, three big, big increases in COVID-positive cases. And here in Navajo, we only went through two. 
Thank you to each and every one of you Navajo people. And you can see where around Labor Day it took off and, and so contagious that we, we had a hard time bringing the numbers down, but we've been seeing the numbers go down, and that's why we're transitioning. The thing that's different about this time around is we have vaccination. We have the vaccine now that pushes back against the virus spread in our communities, and that's critical here. This is one of the reasons why we're, we're starting to transition gradually, baby steps, into reopening here on the Navajo Nation. If every week, additional doses. We got Johnson and Johnson now, one dose. If you want only one shot, Johnson and Johnson is available. But that's great because that gives us justification to get more and more. High schoolers have gotten those that were 16 to 18, 19, they some of them got their shots, the Pfizer shots. And right now, children under 18, children under 16, uh, they're not able to get shots, but they're, the scientific community is researching that as we speak. So overall, the Navajo Nation is seeing some great progress and just shows you the comparison between the Navajo Nation and the United States of America in COVID-positive cases. The U.S. still has uh, positive cases because we vaccinated a lot of our Navajo people more percent than many states out there, higher percent of of some states out there. And it's because of our great work by our hospital teams, also those uh, health command operations center that's led by Dr. Jilja. There's so many people to to thank. There's the IHS, Navajo Department of Health team, Navajo Nation, uh, all the divisions and programs. All the healthcare facilities, their staff that are out there on a daily basis. There's even FEMA out there. There's even Department of Defense out there. We have federal agencies helping us. If you've been to a mass vaccination, there takes a lot of effort to do a vaccination drive. And I want to say to each and every one of them today, thank you so much. You are saving lives. You're on the front lines, putting your own health and well-being on the line for the greater good. And we appreciate that because you are helping our Navajo people, and you see that, and the data, the numbers are down. And we are transitioning from red status to orange status, ladies and gentlemen. And we appreciate you, the Navajo person, the Navajo people, for your hard work throughout these uh, tough times. These are some tough times, but we will get through it. We will get through it because our ancestors got through some of these difficult times and we will persevere and we will get through this COVID-19 pandemic. The public order that is going to be presented today from red to orange status is businesses are going to be open to 25%, but they're going to have to turn in their reopening plans before they get the green light to reopen. Restaurants and dining facilities, personal care and services, Casinos, lodging, those will be required to submit their plans, reopening plans to the Division of Economic Development under J.T. Willie. Another public order that's going to be submitted will be the gathering of 10 or fewer people in churches and also traditional and religious gatherings. Chapter houses are not able to reopen because they have a resolution by the council that was approved that makes it three quorum. So we can't change that unless that resolution is either rescinded or amended. 
The other thing is, too, that this is all for only Navajo people. Remember, the Navajo Nation Council and I, we signed a law that's saying no non-Navajo to be on the nation, to be visiting or to be congregating. So that means even in our businesses. And so until that resolution gets changed or rescinded, this reopening, this soft reopening is only for the Navajo people. And I know that some people will get uh, upset, but we have to do small steps. And we have to look at it as our nation as a bubble to protect our people first, our elders, those that are in the most vulnerable population category. And so there'll be a little bit more information on the on the health orders, but... Dr. Jill Jim, Kimberly Dutcher, So thank you so much. God bless you. My name is Kimberly Dutcher. I'm the Deputy Attorney General for the Navajo Nation. I work at the Department of Justice, and uh, we assist the nation's Health Command Operations Center with drafting and finalizing the public health emergency orders. Kimberly Dutcher, so I'm going to see if I can get public health emergency order number 2021-006. And I wanted to highlight some of the um, changes in public health emergency order number six. And this, like a public health emergency number five, is effective. And it effectively rescinds the stay-at-home public health emergency order and implements a safer at-home order. And what this means basically is that we're encouraging people to stay at home, but they are not ordered to stay at home. And in addition, this public health emergency order also continues the daily curfew from 9 o'clock p.m. to 5 o'clock a.m. every day. A couple other things that this uh, public health emergency order does is it includes guidance that the Health Command Operations Center previously provided to medicine people on conducting a safe gatherings, and those gatherings will be limited to 10 or fewer people. And this order also provides for them to avoid sharing utensils and other items and also encourages folks participating in traditional ceremonies to wear masks, to wash their hands, and really there's a whole list of good measures to take for traditional ceremonies, and this order will also be accessible on the NDOH website. So those of you who want to be familiar with all those safety items can read them. This order also provides guidance for the nation's churches and houses of worship, 
and we are recommending, and it provides for 25% or less maximum capacity. Also, masks are required for churches and houses of worship. Social distancing is also required, and uh, cleaning, hand washing, and um, not eating food in a congregating setting is also not provided for. This uh, public health order also provides for gatherings of up to 10 persons. And this is a difference from the last public health emergency order where gatherings were limited to five people. So now it will be 10. Like the previous public health emergency order number five that Dr. Jim discussed, the Navajo Nation's roads continue to remain closed to visitors and tourists for the duration of the public health emergency. Executive Director for Navajo Department of Health and also um, overseeing the Health Command Operations Center with our many partners. Um, this doesn't take this only one department to work on these public health orders. It's a combined effort with Indian Health Service, 638 Association, and also the the different hospitals and also leaders. So, and safety is our utmost importance in this transition from the red to the orange phase. So, the reopening status for the Navajo Nation really applies to businesses and separate, um, distinct um, public health orders are in relation to other items that I'll go over. And, and their reopening status doesn't apply to governmental entities such as federal, state, or tribal government. So just know that there is um, a distinction regarding those different um, public health orders that we issue. So the orange status, we're in the orange status, and our EPI team work on these a lot in regards to understanding when the level of transmission of the disease is um, pointing towards reopening a at a certain level. And so we look at the number of cases, and we also look at if these downward trajectories are um, sustained or making sure there is no rebound, because sometimes you can have a small spike and then you see decrease and then an increase of cases. And so right now with the orange status, we are in orange status at 50 to 99 cases per 100,000 persons. The infection rate that we're looking at is 1.2 to 1.4, and I think we're less than one, one right now. So for every new infection, every not everyone, uh, there's not one person, more than one person getting an infection. We also don't have a percentage on vaccine data only because we are tracking to make sure that the individuals are receiving a vaccine. So any vaccine is um, recommended. We um, encourage individuals that haven't get vaccinated if um, you prefer to get only one shot, maybe look for and request with your health facility on um, the J&J vaccine as well. And also we look at testing capacity in regards to positivity, the number of positive tests that are coming back from the lab. We are well below on um, 10% and also we have enough contact tracers for every new case, we have nine contact tracers. So we have enough contact tracers just because the cases are low. Our staff inpatient and ICU beds are below 80%. So we are in the orange phase as well. So these are measures that are followed by states across the uh, country. And they use these uh, decisions to 
open and reopen businesses and access to services. So we definitely want to just inform everyone those are what we consider. And we also know there is a consistent downward trajectory since um, January 5th as well. So we have the different colors in here just to let us know that we are past the orange phase, but we are monitoring um, in the orange phase at, for three weeks to ensure that those are not really um, a short, short, short rebound that can happen. So our gating measures are assessed every single week. So a seven-day moving average will um, decide on how to respond to the pandemic. And we can now compare ourselves to other states because they assess um, the gating measures every week. Obviously, we have transitioned to learning more about the disease and how to use different measures and indicators to go up and down about the businesses um, submitting their reopening plan to the vision of economic development. In the orange phase, we're looking at 25% of most um, businesses will be operating. And dining service is quite different. We used to only allow drive-through and curbside through the entire pandemic up to this point. We have not put restaurants or dining for indoors. So whatever entities already have have um, drive-through services will continue to provide that, even curbside delivery um, as well. Restaurants um, with a permanent outdoor dining um, will be allowed to use their outdoor dining at 25%. Permanent outdoor dining meaning something that has was already in place up to this point where I know that some there's a few restaurants or even fast food areas that have either cement tables outside or either permanent picnic tables. So we don't know to, um, to the extent how many of those businesses are, but those with this permanent outdoor dining can operate those at 25%. But those that didn't have a permanent outdoor dining and are before um, this public health order, are allowed to um, are allowed up to ten outdoor tables and four persons per table as well. So social distancing is definitely still recommended as well. And then the personal care services such as hair salons, spas, massages, and those kinds of services, um, they're open by appointment base only as well. And then the marina and park says um, appointment only, but it is not open due to CMA sixteen twenty, which is legislation that prohibits visitors and tourists coming onto the Navajo Nation. Um, so I hope that there's some understanding around the tourism and parks regarding the specific Navajo Nation council legislation prohibiting visitors and tourists on going onto Navajo Nation maintained roads. And the same factor that um, Navajo casinos are open only to Navajo Nation residents and employees who have access to the Navajo Nation and is limited due to CMA 1620 as well. So just to let everyone know, those are the supporting decisions and recommendations from the Health Command Operations Center around marinas and casinos. Other things that are closed in the orange phase is on youth programs, museums, flea markets, roadside markets, gyms, recreation facilities, and movie theaters. And one thing we'll just continue to consider is these are things that were put in place last year. We're gradually reopening. If we continue to do well and our Navajo citizens continue to take precautions and um, keep the numbers low, we're continuing to assess how to expand services slowly 
And so just know that those are the decisions that we're still monitoring in regards to the new variants that we still also have to be cautious about. So even though you're vaccinated, it, continue to safely wear your mask and social distance as well. In public health order number six, we are lift, lifting the shelter in place to safer at home and also keeping curfews in place as well. This is also effective until rescinded. And so the purpose of the emergency is basically to implement safer at home guidelines and to extend existing curfews and that will be changed um, as needed. And then also gatherings of 10 or fewer people are permitted. Um, there are new CDC guidelines that you're probably seeing in the media regarding that vaccinated persons can gather. Um, the Navajo Nation Health Command Operations Center, the unified group, which consists of health providers, epidemiologists, health professionals, are reviewing those guidelines to provide further guidance for the Navajo Nation in general. So in the meantime, all um, permitted um, gatherings is only limited to 10 or fewer and taking all the precautions that you still need to as well. So continue to practice safe measures to reduce the transmission of COVID. Another area that is in the public health order number six is that traditional ceremonies of 10 or fewer people are allowed. Previously, the order looked at um, limiting to um, a few people and just recommending certain precautions. But in this one, there'll be some distinctions that there's actually now a number to it. We recommend remote prayers and ceremonies that has been recommendations from the health command already about this. So it might not be new to individuals. It also is at the discretion of the traditional healer and the roadmans. Just be respectful of their um, ability to provide or not provide services. Some traditional healers may not want to provide any services because they are still taking the measures to stay safer at home. Please respect the wishes of some of these roadmen and also traditional healers that if they're not providing services, um, if there's a no visitor sign or anything, either, please follow those. It is up to the traditional practitioner and healer to provide services when they want to. But I just want to let everyone know it is their choice. Use a um, shade house or hogan. Avoid sharing objects, towels, food utensils. Bring individual water, prepare your own medicine. And then as for in regards to food, there's going to be a recommendation for no buffet or family-style meals. Food may be prepared in prepackaged containers. Use disposable eating utensil or to-go foods, and eating outside is recommended. And just for the indoors, um, I know that uh, the medicine man, the road man, and the patients can probably eat inside because there's only a couple of them and they can practice social distancing while eating inside, but guests should be permitted to eat outside or take a food to go. Ventilation is important as well. Removing any fabric and um, after your ceremony to leave it out in the sun is recommended and everyone should wear a mask. Also, for churches and houses of worship may open in conjunction with the additional health command operations guidelines. So um, just look out for these guidelines that will be provided to churches and other houses of worship that the facility can function at the 25% capacity um, in an enclosed space. But if, um, for example, that the 25% capacity doesn't allow for six feet distancing, that the six feet distancing is going to be recommended. So 
if the six feet um, distancing cannot be met, you might be operating at less than 25% of your maximum capacity. Also, masks are required and facility cleaning and disinfecting. So these are just some general guidelines, but there'll be more detailed guidelines for churches and other houses of worship. In addition to the public health order number six, um, daily curfews will remain at 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. There's just one distinction, and this one is that the businesses can now open at 6 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. in the morning, so that businesses can operate one hour earlier than before, but the daily curfews will still be in place. So I hope that answered um, some of your questions that you might have regarding the public health order. Thank you very much, and go ahead. Yet <laughs> Ada <laughs> The <laughs> The <laughs> Ashawan <laughs> The <laughs> Needs 
ولكن <laughs> จุดตาหุจิซึนกิจตาหุจิซึนกิตาหุจิลยาวดิจตาทิสเบฮัจซิลอะคุจตาหุจิซึนกิตาหุจิลยาวจุดตาปันซึกิซึจุดตาหลั
เอ่อลาจเบนิเตโดเลทาโดนิเตดาสโตอารอนดานาตานิเตลนิตุดาฮุนานะเตชลกานาตานิชลนชีกัตตาตาลทรงเบชาฮะยาอะโคชีอะโ
there are two unique things about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that I wanted to mention to people. Um, one is that it is a single dose vaccine. So this can be very helpful, um, especially for populations that may be um, homebound or very remote where it's hard to get in um, for that second dose. So this is a single dose vaccine. It is available to people 18 and older, and it can be stored at regular um, refrigerator temperatures. It doesn't need a freezer or an ultra-cold freezer. So that also means that it has advantages for being able to um, be used in more remote settings where those ultra-cold freezers might not be available. Um, all three of these vaccines are highly efficacious. Uh, they all have the chance of uh, temporary uh, side effects, including pain at the side of injection, uh, low-grade fever, headache, and fatigue, um, but all of them provide uh, very good protection against COVID-19 uh, disease. Navajo Nation has, um, as of March 1st data, um, administered over uh, 135,000 doses, um, and there are 48,800 people who had received two doses, which um, gives us among the highest coverage for vaccination in the country, and I think is definitely contributing to the the steeply declining rates of disease that we're seeing. I mentioned one of the benefits of uh, immunization is this idea of uh, herd immun immunity or stopping transmission. Uh, without vaccination, uh, the spread of COVID-19 in the community is uncontained. This is a new virus that people don't have immunity to, so it can spread very quickly. And that's one person becomes infected, and they can very quickly spread to all of the susceptible members of the community around them. People become immune, and the spread of COVID-19 in the community is contained. Even if one person gets sick, transmission is not widespread because people have been vaccinated. And the more people who are vaccinated, the more protected uh, the community will be. We uh, don't know at this point the precise uh, percentage of people who need to be vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity, um, but we expect that this is a fairly high percentage, you know, above 80%, potentially even above 90% of the population that needs to be vaccinated in order to achieve um, this herd immunity. So it's very important uh, to continue to encourage people to come um, uh, and get vaccinated to protect themselves and their community. Um, a recent survey that was done uh, by the Urban Indian Health Institute found that the primary motivation uh, for people who uh, were asked about willingness to get vaccinated was a strong sense of responsibility to protect the Native community um, and to preserve cultural ways. And I think this is um, an important message and I know is one of the main reasons that vaccine coverage has been so high on Navajo Nation because people do do feel this uh, responsibility to protect the community. I'll carry on to talking about uh, the COVID-19 variants, uh, which we're hearing so much about. I want to take us back to some basic understanding of, of just the biology of the coronavirus. Um, and the coronavirus, like all living things, has a genome, which is the DNA or the RNA instructions that it uses to replicate and that it tells um, that, that it uses to make proteins. Um, the coronavirus uh, has, as opposed to, to humans, which have DNA, the coronavirus has an RNA genome. 
And it's made of these bases called adenine, guanine, cytosine, and uracil. You can just think of these uh, as, as letters. Um, the order of the letters determines how the proteins are built. It's like a blueprint for building a house. Um, so it's that order of those letters that determines how proteins are built um, and how different parts of the virus um, are constructed. As a virus replicates, when somebody gets infected, the virus enters the cells and the virus begins to replicate. And as it replicates, sometimes it makes mistakes and it inserts the wrong letter. These uh, typos are called um, mutations. And you can see an example here um, where we started off with this sequence of letters for this coronavirus. Um, it replicated, and when it replicated the first time, it did it perfectly. Everything's in exactly the same sequence or order. Um, but the next time it replicated, it had a little typo here. Instead of putting in uh, a U here on the last letter of that sequence, uh, it put in a G. And that's the source of variance. When we change that sequence of letters, that can impact the proteins um, that, uh, that are then made. So the coronavirus genome has those 30,000 bases or letters of RNA. And as the virus spreads from person to person, it can randomly accumulate more mutations. Through this process, uh, different variants uh, can emerge. So normal original sequence of the coronavirus virus, um, these 30,000 letters, and these are different proteins, different sections of the sequence of letters encode for different proteins. Here's the section that encodes for that spike protein, which is around the outer surface. And you can see here one of the very first mutations that was detected was a, a change here. Um, out of the 30,000 letters, there was one change here at the 186th letter. Um, that, that led to uh, a mutation. And so you can imagine as this virus is spreading from people to people and replicating over and over and over again and all of the different people that it has infected, um, there are many mutations that have emerged. Um, and like we said, those, that sequence of letters is the blueprint for building proteins. Um, so if there are changes in that sequence of letters, then it can change how these different proteins are made and how they are, are built and the shape of the proteins. The process for sequencing the strains is that when a sample is collected and, and somebody is detected as having COVID-19, um, the PCR test that's done, that diagnostic laboratory test that's done, if, it, if it's positive for the virus, then that viral RNA can be extracted from the swab and that sequence of letters for the coronavirus can be sequenced. We can figure out the letter, uh, the order of the letters. Um, and then we can compare the order of the letters from that sample to the, all of the other sequences that have been uh, determined. And that can help us to understand um, how the virus is being transmitted and if certain sequences or certain variants are causing more severe disease or are more uh, transmissible. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with human DNA, and it's an important clarification that I want to make. This is just viral um, RNA uh, that is extracted. So it's just sequencing that order of letters in the SARS-CoV-2 virus. 
as the virus has replicated and spread around the world, thousands of variants have occurred. Some of the variants emerge and then they disappear. Some persist. Uh, some variants act very similarly to the main virus, the original virus. Um, some will act differently. They may spread more easily or less easily. They may cause milder disease or more severe disease. And in the United States, there are three uh, important variants that have been detected. Uh, one that was first identified in the UK, the one that was first identified in South Africa, and another that was first identified in Brazil. Um, and you can see they have these sort of funny names, B117, B1351, which just helps describe where um, the mutations are occurring and what, what mutations um, have been detected as part of that strain. But all three of these have been uh, reported in the United States uh, in the Four Corners area. Uh, we have the UK variant reported in all four states uh, that surround the Navajo Nation. Not shown from the CDC website is the California variant, um, which people may have heard about as well. And the California variant um, has also been detected in all four states that surround the Navajo Nation and is increasingly uh, more common among the strains that have been detected. This one has caused some concern because it can uh, appears to spread more easily. Um, it doesn't at this point seem to cause more severe disease, but it can spread more easily. So what concerns do people have about these variants? As I just mentioned, um, they, they may spread more easily. They may reduce the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines or other treatments that are available. And they might make it so that it is difficult for us to detect the coronavirus once somebody is infected. When we do coronavirus tests, what those tests are looking for are different parts of the coronavirus to see if somebody has that infection. Um, and if there are mutations in the parts that the tests are looking for, then that may make it harder to detect the infection. So researchers are actively working to understand the variants, what they mean for testing and treatment and prevention methods. And I want to show an example here of just how, how that might look as we talked about. The, all three vaccines that we have available to us now tell our bodies to make antibodies to the spike protein. Um, if we get exposed to the coronavirus, then our antibodies bind to spike protein and block infection. Um, here are the RNA sequence or the sequence of letters that um, code all of these different proteins including the spike protein. So if there's mutations in this spike protein, um, that could affect the ability of these antibodies to bind to and, and block the coronavirus. Uh, the Navajo Epidemiology Center is leading efforts to uh, do strain surveillance for Navajo Nation so we can understand the variants that are present and if they're contributing to a higher number of cases and deaths, uh, to track transmission routes, to detect mutations quickly um, to prevent the spread of new strains um, and to identify any mutations that could avoid detection by diagnostic tests or that could affect the potency of the vaccines. People have asked, are the variants causing more severe disease? And as I mentioned, we're really working to understand this right now. It's possible that that may be the case. It's also possible that some variants could cause milder disease. But so far, the main concern is an increase in transmissibility. Even if a virus isn't causing more severe disease, just the fact that if it's 
uh, spreading more easily, it will result in more cases and therefore more hospitalizations and more deaths. So we really need to do everything we can to prevent the spread of these variants. As, as I mentioned so far, the study has suggested that current vaccines will still work well. This is being closely monitored, and all of the vaccine companies are working on uh, booster doses of the vaccine that could be targeted towards these variants should they emerge in a way and cause reduced effectiveness of the currently available vaccines. So this is what I just mentioned, that these updated vaccines um, could potentially be given as, as booster doses, and that's something that's being evaluated right now. But the most important thing, the best way to prevent spread of the variants is strict compliance with all of the mitigation strategies. I know people feel um, really grateful that vaccines have been out and um, they will provide protection, but that protection um, is not 100%, and we don't yet know if the vaccines will protect people from having a mild uh, infection in the nose that could be spread to other people. So even if vaccinated, it's still very important to comply with the public health mitigation strategies. Um, we need people who are symptomatic to get tested and all close contacts to get tested uh, to maintain physical distancing, use of masks, hand hygiene, and of course, vaccination. The more people who are vaccinated, the fewer people that will get infected and the fewer chances the virus will have to mutate. So by by vaccinate, getting vaccinated, you're not only protecting yourself and your community, but you're also preventing um, that virus from having additional chances to, to mutate. And uh, of course, again, this is a reminder card that uh, gets at that same point that after vaccination, we have to continue the three W's, wearing a mask, washing uh, distance and washing hands uh, frequently. Thank you. And You've been listening to the Navajo Health Command Operations Center COVID-19 Prevention and Awareness Radio Program. Brought to you by the Navajo Department of Health. For more information, call 928-871-7014. That's 928-871-7014. Be Navajo strong, keep your guard up, and don't back down. Prevent COVID-19.